What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week, I'm speaking to Melissa Dinwiddie, and we're talking about the importance of creativity to really nourish yourself and bring fresh energy into your business. Now, I know I've always been a really creative person, and I know a lot of you listening are as well, but we can feel like creativity just needs to take a back seat because it's not as important as marketing and finding clients and working on our websites and all that other stuff that we do to run our businesses. So If you feel drawn to creativity, if you used to like to be creative as a kid, if that's an energy you'd like to bring into your business, I think you're really going to like this conversation with Melissa this week because we're really digging into the whole idea of creative play and how that can actually, taking time for creative play can really benefit your business. I had loads of fun talking to Melissa, and I think you'll find this conversation really inspiring and maybe give you a few fun creative habits to integrate into your daily life too. So I'm recording this episode a couple of weeks in advance because at the time you're listening to this, I've actually just moved to Hong Kong. So I have no idea what my recording facilities are going to be like. I'll probably still be jet lagged. So if you want to see what's going on in Hong Kong and all the natural health and beauty things I'm discovering and probably some amazing photos of markets because I'm kind of obsessed with markets, definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Wellpreneur and I'm going to be sharing my journey getting settled in Hong Kong definitely on Instagram really regularly. That's the best place to find it. And then as soon as I get some recording logistics set up, I'll be right back recording every week just like usual. Also, don't forget, you can come over and we can talk about this episode in our Facebook group, which is totally free to join. It's the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group. There's over 500 Wellpreneurs in there. And oftentimes the guests from the week will pop in as well so we can talk about the episodes. So definitely come over there and we can chat about online marketing and about creativity. Okay, let's jump into this interview now with Melissa Dinwiddie. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I came across you in a Facebook group, actually. And when I heard about your specialty of really talking about creativity and bringing creativity into your life, I thought I have to have you on the show because this is something I know I've struggled with and so many of my listeners struggle with as well. So it's really exciting to have you here. Yes. Well, it's you're not alone <laughs> because lots and lots of people struggle with it. That's why I do what I do. <laughs> So I want to just kind of dive into this issue of creativity. And the thing that comes up for me a lot, and I think happens for a lot of listeners as well, is this sense of guilt. I feel like I'm a really creative person and I have lots of creative projects I like to do, but I never give myself time to do them because I should be working. So there's this big sense of guilt around it. So talk to us about this creative guilt. Yes. Well, I know that creative guilt really, really well. I, it kept me from creating for myself for over a decade while I was making my living as an artist, 
making art for other people. And it's epidemic. I mean, the only difference truly between people who define themselves as artists or musicians or writers or whatever creative realm generally as artists and the people that we define as artists and the rest of everybody else, the only difference is that the people who define themselves that way never lost their native entitlement to create. Or if they did lose it, which is what happened to me, they're able to get it back. That's the only difference because everybody is born fully creative, completely and utterly creative. Creativity is innate. You cannot kill it. It's always there. We learn through school and the mixed messages that we get from the culture. We learn how not to use our creativity and how to quash it and how to identify as not creative. Creating, giving yourself that time to play, to experiment, to explore, to follow your curiosity is essential. It is not self-indulgent. And I have a poster with five reminders of why it is essential and not self-indulgent. And the first is when you do that creative thing that you like to do, it changes your mood. It makes you feel alive. And when you feel alive, that's something that you take with you. That energy goes with you everywhere you go. So every person you interact with, every situation you encounter is touched by your alive energy. That alone is world-changing because when you bring that state of aliveness, of happiness, of contentment to your interaction, the person that you're interacting with is going to be influenced by that and they're going to carry that forward. And the person that they interact with is going to carry that forward. So that alone is world-changing. The second thing is when you give yourself permission and you do whatever that creative thing is that you're hungry for, it models for others that this is okay, that you get to do this, that they can create too. And that is also world-changing. Third thing is that creating, this is a scientific reason, creating restores energy to your brain. Your willpower, your self-control is located in your prefrontal cortex. And that part of the brain has to work very hard whenever you have to do anything that requires self-control or willpower. So, you know, if your boss yells at you and you have to hold your tongue because you really want to yell him out, but you can't because you want to keep your job, or you uh, pass by a donut shop and you really, really, really want a donut, but you know that your body's not going to feel good if you have a donut, that requires self-control. Or continuing to run on that marathon that you're in or sticking with that really hard blog post that you're writing when you want to go down to the refrigerator, those things require self-control as well. When anytime you use your self-control, that part of your brain gets a little fatigued. And it is now fatigued for any kind of self-control that issue, challenge that comes your way. Just like a muscle, when your brain gets fatigued, it needs to be refreshed and restored. And scientific studies have demonstrated that the most effective way to restore energy to your brain is to do something that engages your interest. Ideally, even something that gets you into that wonderful state of flow. You could do sports to get there. You could you know, go rock climbing. There are lots of things that you, you can do to get yourself into that state, to things that will engage your interest. Guess what? Doing your creative thing engages your interest really intensely. That is the best way to restore energy to your brain. So when you give yourself even those 10 or 15 minutes to doodle or play your guitar or whatever it is, your brain is refreshed and you, are, you probably notice, actually, if you think about your own life experience, 
you probably notice that when you give yourself that time, you have more patience to deal with all the things that come at you in the rest of your day. And this is why scientifically it is good for your brain to do that thing that you love to do. The other one, there are two more. Creating has been shown to protect people's brains from decline in old age. There is a recent study that was published that looked at people who did some kind of creative art form. I'm not sure what the specifics were, but I think they were looking specifically at some kind of visual art, but I'm quite sure that it applies to any other kind of creative thing. People who did that consistently through middle age and into old age had healthier brains and less brain decline, you know, less signs of dementia than people who didn't. That's a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also, there's a wonderful documentary called They Played for Their Lives, which is about Holocaust survivors who survived the Holocaust because they were musicians and the Nazis had them play music. I mean, t- horrible, terrible situation, of course. They had to, you know, play in the orchestra while prisoners were getting marched off to the, the gas chambers and things like that. But that is what enabled them to survive. So there are lots of cases where people have truly been able to survive because of their creative thing. I personally know a number of people who were able to get out of very severe depression when they finally allowed themselves to do the creative thing that they love to do. So creating could actually extend or even save your life. And the fifth one is when you create and you share whatever it is that you created. And I know that's scary for a lot of people, but when you share, it touches other people. And we never know how what we do, what we create is going to touch other people. I can't tell you how many times I have put something out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, that I thought, oh, well, this is crap, but I'm going to put it out there because I have a practice of sharing my works in progress and whatever it is I create. That's the piece that somebody will say, oh my God, I want to buy that. That piece means it's, it's like so meaningful to me. Or the blog post that I, or podcast episode that I hit publish on and I think, eh, that really wasn't my best, you know, that wasn't the best. That was just like what I was capable of today, but it wasn't, it wasn't the best that it could be. That's the episode or the blog post that somebody, that lots of people usually will email me and say, oh my God, this was so important to me. This is my favorite episode ever. Or you know, I can't tell you what this changed my life or whatever. We just never know how it's going to touch other people. But you can't touch other people if you don't create something and share it with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true, what you said about how it almost re-energizes you and, yes. and just refills your well, because it's just like, it's very similar actually to exercising. So we know we yes. feel better after we exercise, but when you're stuck in the middle of that super stressful day, the last thing you want to do is take time to go outside or even to go outside and get fresh air and sunshine. And I know when I've got a really busy week, you always think, oh, well, well, the creativity, the artist state can go because that's right. not that important. But actually, if you take time for that, it does give you energy back for the rest of Absolutely. your Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really tricky because when we're tired and stressed out, we're being run basically by our amygdala, our lizard brain, <laughs> the impulse side of our brain that is just not willing to do the things that that feel hard, like exercising or sitting. It's funny how sitting down and, and playing at your art table can feel hard or you know whatever, picking up your guitar or whatever. 
because of all those gremlin voices that tell us, oh, it's not going to be good enough, or it has to be good. Otherwise, there's no point in my doing it. Or, you know, all those messages that, you know, the stories that are living in our brains, you know. And yet, when we're stressed and feeling crunched for time, that's when we're going to feel the benefit the most when we actually give ourselves that whether it's going on a run or doing your creative thing, they're all, they're all going to give you such a worthwhile benefit. So mm-hmm. it's something that I think, I mean, I struggle with this just as much as anybody else does, but I think the more aware that we are of what's going on, the better able we can kind of step outside of whatever the distress is that we're feeling and analyze it and look at it from a more neutral perspective and remember, oh yeah, there are these things I can do that make me feel better. I'm going to do those. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm actually just rereading a book by Martha Beck, um, Steering by Starlight. And uh-huh. she's just, just the chapter I read, she was talking all about the lizard brain and how it's basically, you know, it's that ancient part of your brain that's there to protect you. And it's just really fear-based. So it's just always trying to take like the safest way out. And so that's totally the voice that's like, oh my gosh, you have to work really hard or everything's going to fall apart and you can't take any extra time and just do the safest thing. And I think when you, what basically what you said, like when you can start to recognize that and then you can almost take a step back and say, oh, that's just that, you know, that's just my inner lizard talking (laughs) because it's scared scared because I'm playing a bigger game or I'm trying something new or I'm not sure how this is going to work. And then you could kind of use other part of yourself to say, I know I feel better when I take time for myself. Yeah. And consciously choose to ignore the little lizard, have the little lizard go and and take a little break for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a practice. I mean, it's it's challenging for everybody, but the more you practice it, the better you get at it. It Really what it is, is mindfulness, which is one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of meditation. I have a daily, ideally, it doesn't happen every single day, but a morning meditation practice, even just 10 minutes, because when I meditate, I am practicing the exact same skills that I need to keep me on track with whatever goals I have during the day, to keep me from you know, sliding into temptations and distractions. When I meditate, I'm focusing on my breath and my mind is made to think. So invariably, it's going to go racing off into some thought train. And the goal is to notice that and then to gently, lovingly, just let go of that thought and bring myself back to my breath. It's exactly the same thing when I'm going through my day and I'm finding myself on autopilot doing something that's not healthy. It's the same exact function to step outside and go, oh, I'm noticing what I'm doing. Now I can make a choice to do something different. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed that comes up, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a fact of Western culture, but we tend to value things that we get paid for. And so I think it can be, like one of the, is something that came up for me when I was young, because I've always been very creative, is I used to dance a lot. But there hit a point when I turned about 16 and it was like, okay, am I going to be a dancer and be a poor artist? Or am I going to like basically put that on the back burner and like buckle down and like really go after a more academic route? And I think this happens, you know, you can pursue a creative interest, maybe all growing up, maybe you played piano or you, you know, did something else like painted. But then at some point you're like, okay, now it's time for me to actually work and support myself. And suddenly that creativity just doesn't seem as important or valued. I don't know. How do you still value that? 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's such a, such a huge, huge issue, particularly in Western cultures where, I mean, I don't, possibly other cultures as well, but we're so focused on money as an indicator of value and validation. And when I started my art business as a calligrapher and a ketubah artist making Jewish marriage contracts, which is the traditional part of every Jewish wedding ceremony, I started my art business back in the mid-late 90s. And not long after I had finally come back to art as an adult, because I completely stopped doing any kind of art when I was 13, got stuck in the comparison trap, as happens to so many people. In the process of building up my business, I was so focused on, I have to make money from this. Everything I do has to make money. Everything has to make money that I stopped creating for play, for fun, for joy. And I got profoundly stuck while I was, you know, making a living, making art for other people to do. I mean, that's crazy because you were basically, you were having creative stuckness, but you were an artist creating every day to make your living, but you still felt like you couldn't take the time to do it for fun. Yes. And in fact, my mantra was, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And I don't know, it's not really a mantra, but that was something that was going through my head a lot. And I can't wait till I actually have time. I wish that I had time. I wish that I had time. Now, from the perspective of where I am in present time, I can look back at my younger self and realize, oh, wow, I actually had nothing to do with time. Nothing to do with time. It had to do with fear. Mm-hmm. perfectionist paralysis. I wasn't allowing myself to play. And so much of it was that that sense, that story, that false story, that if it wasn't something that I could sell, it wasn't worth my time, that it wasn't valid. It wasn't a useful, worthwhile thing for me to do. What I have since figured out is that the only way to avoid burnout is to give yourself, you know, as a creative pro, you have to feed yourself you have to give yourself that just for fun, just for play, just for exploration, time. I call it playing in the creative sandbox. I have this core metaphor for all of my work, which is the, the concept of the creative sandbox. The creative sandbox is that mental space where there is no wrong, where it is purely for the joy of it, where I have 10 rules. I have a creative sandbox manifesto with 10 quote unquote rules that I developed because I was so stuck and had such a hard time letting go of perfectionist paralysis, allowing myself to truly play. And I knew that is what I needed. So I developed these 10 rules to get myself back to that playful, joyful, creating space that I used to be in, you know, when I was in nursery school and kindergarten. (laughs) I had to set up rules in order to let go of that. It has. To, I have to make money from it. It has to be good. It has to be whatever. I don't have time for it. That was, that was the only way that I could get myself to do it. And it's been miraculous, really. And the, the Creative Sandbox manifesto and rules and the courses that I've created around it have helped hundreds, over a thousand people get back to their creative joy as well. I have a lot of, I have a community that I run, an online community called the Creative Sandbox. And this comes up a lot where people will share that I'm having a really hard time letting myself play because I feel like, what's the point? Like I need to be doing something that is making money or whatever. And, you know, it's a continual reminder that it's setting the intention of what you really want, which is to give yourself this play time because you know it's good for you. You know it's going to inform everything else you do. You know, if you're a creative pro, especially, 
if you don't have that time to explore and experiment and play, your work is going to get really static, really flat, and you're going to get really burned out. You know, I read not too long ago, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. And I think something that you said just really reminded me of that. And actually, when I read the book, this was the piece that really stood out for me was just that we have this false assumption that our creativity should, that we're not really like being a creative person unless our creativity financially supports us. This is a total, this is just a complete false thing that we've made up. And she said, why are we expecting our creativity to support us? Like support yourself however you need to. Like that is something totally separate and you just need to do your art. Like do your art as a practice and that's what you need to do. And when I read that, it was so freeing because I just thought, you know what? There is value in this. I can be a writer. I can be a photographer just because I know it nourishes me and not expect it to pay the bills. And that's hugely freeing. Oh my God, absolutely. I love that book and I love everything Elizabeth Gilbert says. Yeah, it's interesting because when I started making art as an adult, I did turn it into my career, you know, turned into my business. And later when I got, I got so burned out and I wasn't making art for me and it felt like I was so, so stuck and I started making music and I got very into it and I started singing jazz and getting gigs. And I made a very, very conscious decision that I was not going to try to make, I mean, I'd be happy to, to make money from singing, but I was never going to try to make a living from my singing. I wanted it to be completely unchained, you know, so that, so I was truly doing it for me, not so that I wouldn't get stuck in that same pattern that happened with my visual art. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert did that. She was pretty young when she had a conversation with her writing, with her craft and said, basically, I'm never going to expect you or require you to support me. I am going to support you. I mean, that's beautiful. That kind of gives me chills, actually, thinking about it. Because at that point, you're saying, I know that creativity nourishes me and I'm, I'm committing to, you're committing to it and to make it a part of your life and just totally disconnecting that from how you need to make money. So it just becomes like another fundamental element of your life. I think that's really, yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you, so obviously creativity, we're like both on the same page. Creativity is so important and nourishing and refreshing and just invigorates everything else we do and inspires us, et cetera, et cetera. So what about in your life, how do you actually make sure that happens? Do you schedule it in? Like, how does it actually happen in your life? Yeah, so that has changed over the years. And I am a big believer in constantly tweaking. I talk a lot about being a detective and a scientist as you look at your life, looking at yourself under the detective's magnifying glass and under the scientist's microscope to figure out what is working, what is not working, what do you need to tweak? And the only constant is change. So things need to be tweaked a lot. Certainly in my case, I have a morning ritual. And for a long time, my morning ritual has sort of a stack of activities that I do that are nourishing and get me set up to face the day. And for a while I had my morning ritual and then I would go to my art table and spend 15, 20, 30 minutes playing in the creative sandbox. And then back in August, August 31st, I started finally a real workout practice that I hadn't had for years. 
I have a treadmill desk, so I get some walking in every day, even if I never get outside, but I wasn't getting any real cardio or I just, I was feeling sort of slug-like. So I finally figured out a way that I could build a workout into my daily routine using streaming video things that surprisingly enough works for me. But the only way that I could make that happen was to build it into my morning. One of my mottos is the thing I do first is the thing that gets done. And so I have this morning ritual and I built the workout into the morning ritual. But now with the workout being, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, sometimes more than an hour, the day is getting so late. And then I'd start to get very anxious about all the things on my list that I wanted to get done today. So I would bypass my art table and go straight to the computer. And the computer's gravitational pull is very strong. And once I'm logged on, boom, the day just runs away with me. So this went on for a couple of weeks and I was realizing, oh my God, I am not making art. This is not okay. Something has to change. So I sat down and thought about, okay, how can I build a creative practice back? And specifically, I wanted to get do some visual art because I'm also a musician and I do lots of different things. But right now, I really wanted to focus on my visual art. And I thought, okay, I want to build it into my morning ritual. It has to come before the workout. The workout happens downstairs in the living room. The rest of my morning ritual happens in my bedroom. And my bedroom is kind of like, it's kind of like this airlock chamber between me and the rest of my day. So whatever happens in my bedroom, even if I'm doing business planning or something, it feels like this separate space that's kind of sacred. The minute I leave my bedroom, it's like, boom, I'm out in the day. The workday has started. And so it wasn't, I didn't think it was going to work for me to get up first thing and head to my art table because it's too easy for me to get sucked into the computer, whatever. So I thought, okay, what can I do first thing in the morning in bed? I thought, okay, you know what? I'll grab some markers, some black markers and just work in black and white with pen and paper. And I've been doing that since the beginning of the year. And I usually I'll set a timer because if I don't, I will do, I'll do it for hours. So I give myself usually at least 15 or 20 minutes. Sometimes it goes longer than that. And I play in the creative sandbox. I doodle. And that right now is my daily, it's always going to happen, creative sandbox, play, creative routine. That's not going to last forever because I'm not always going to want to be drawing in black and white. But right now it works with my big goals because I want to create some kind of book that has a coloring book element to it. So I'm making essentially illustrations that are going to go in a book. So I've got this sort of double thing going on. But the trick with that is that every single drawing that I create, I have to approach it as I don't care about the outcome. I'm letting go of the outcome. This is not for a book. This is not for something that I'm going to sell. This is something that I am doing for pure play. And then the great thing is when I do things for pure play, a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, those things turn out to be the things that I am most pleased with, that I'm most proud of, that I want to put in a book or sell or you know whatever the end goal is. But it's this mind game that you kind of have to play with yourself so that you don't get caught up in that perfectionist paralysis. Oh my gosh, this is so true. I, I completely relate to this because like seven years ago, I started my natural beauty blog and I make like natural beauty products from things that I forage. And so when I started, it was so much fun. I'd just go out and see what I could pick and concoct some things. And sometimes I put it on the blog and sometimes I wouldn't. And it was fun. 
And then I decided to get really serious and start to turn the blog into a business. And suddenly, every time, like every week, there was this extreme pressure. What am I going to find? Is it going to be good enough? Am I going to be able to photograph it? Did I use that same background last week? Like it turned into this whole, like it suddenly became not creative anymore and not fun and not nourishing. It became just like work and stressful. Exactly. And I love this, what you're saying. It's a mindset game that maybe... What if it is just for fun and then you happen to use some of them possibly in your business, but you're not yeah. necessarily forcing yourself to produce something for your business right then? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that what you were talking about with your with foraging and finding things and feeling so pressured, that's exactly what happened to me with my art. When I started making art in my late 20s, it was purely fun. I mean, I wanted to get good at it. I wanted to achieve a level of mastery and all of that. I'm very, I'm a driven kind of person in that way, but it was purely because I love doing it. And when I turned it into my business, it was so ironic because on the one hand, it, it, you know, it gave me this sense of validation. Oh, now I get to call myself a real artist, which is such BS because if you make art, you're an artist. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you sell it or not. But as soon as I did step over that line into starting to sell things, it became less fun became work. I mean, art became just a job for me. And how tragic is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. For anybody listening, think very carefully about turning one of your fun, creative hobbies into a business because, I mean, it is cool to be able to make money through that and support yourself through it, but also it becomes a business and it takes away some of that creative fun as well. Yeah. You have to be very mindful and very careful if you are going to turn the thing that you love into a business and not burn out on it and get, you know, ha have it turn into something that you no longer love that becomes just a job. You have to be very, very mindful. And the other thing that I think is just so important for people to really understand, and people probably still don't, no matter how often they hear this, but you don't have to make money from your thing mm -hmm. in order to be a real writer, musician, artist, whatever the label is. This, you know, our society puts such a huge value on making money that it's really hard to separate the two. But I'm a big believer in setting the intention of something that you want to embrace as true and real for you. It may take you a while to actually, you know, sort of fake it till you make it kind of a thing, but you have to set that intention to separate those two things. You do not have to make money at all, you don't have to make a penny in order to be a true artist. Mm -hmm. I'm over here nodding. Yes. I think <laughs> for me, that is just like, that is the big takeaway. It's like, if you feel called to make art or write or take photos or whatever it is, just do it. Just yeah. do it. It doesn't matter if it relates to your business. It doesn't matter if it's going to make you money. Just do it. Do it for your soul. <laughs> Absolutely. Do it for your soul. Do it for your brain. We know that it's, it's going to help you get through the rest of your day and yeah, the five reasons I gave before that I have this poster that I put on my wall so that I could always remember this whenever I start to go into, oh, what's the point? <laughs> so Melissa, do you have any tips so for the people out there listening who, you know, everyone listening is running their own business or going to start their own business. And we know that that journey of being an entrepreneur can be really all consuming, right? And oh, so yeah. do, you, do you offer a few tips or a little advice for how the listener can bring a bit more creativity into their daily lives. Yeah, absolutely. The, well, you were asking before whether I schedule it in and I am such a big believer in scheduling it in. And this is coming from somebody 
who for most of my life, I felt allergic to schedules. <laughs> I always wanted to just be free to do whatever I want, whenever I want. But I have learned that when I schedule in the things that are nourishing for me, that are essential for my well-being, everything goes better. My whole life goes better. So whatever that thing is that you feel called to do as your nourishing thing that feeds you, truly schedule it into your day. And as I said before, the thing you do first is the thing that gets done. So wherever possible, schedule it early in your day. And if you're not able to do it first thing in the morning because you get up at three and have to go immediately to work or something like that, is there another first during your day that you can use? Like first thing after you get home, first thing after lunch, first thing after you drop the kids off for school or whatever it is, find that first thing time in your day and put the thing that's that is going to nourish you there. Ooh, I love that. I've never, ever heard that. Is there another first time in your day? Because it's usually first thing in the morning when you wake up. But I love that. First thing when you get back from dropping the kids off or first thing after lunch or first thing when you get home from work. I think that's a lot more doable for people. Yeah, because I mean, it works for me to do it first thing in the morning after I wake up, but I work at home. I don't have to be somewhere. I intentionally do not schedule morning appointments unless it's something like this podcast interview that I really want to do, I avoid morning appointments as much as I possibly can because that is my sacred time. That's where I've scheduled all these things that make the rest of my life go better. But not everybody can do that in the morning. Not everybody has that luxury. So figure out what works for you. This is where you get to bring out your scientist's microscope and the detective's magnifying glass and figure out what's going to work in your life. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this interview just zoomed by. <laughs> I know it did. <laughs> and I just love, I've never had anybody on really talking about creativity. Well, way back in the beginning, I think, but this is, it's really refreshing. And it's something that's really been on my mind with 2016 and, and what I wanted to cultivate in my life. So I really appreciate you being here. Melissa, can you tell us, I know you have a podcast and also your blog and some freebies. So could you tell us where people can get in touch with you if they'd like to come into your creative world? Yeah, absolutely. My website is melissadinwitty.com, but that's hard to spell. So it's easier to go to livingacreativelife.com. That will redirect to my website. So livingacreativelife.com. My podcast is called Live Creative Now which you can find on my website or do a search in the iTunes store. And if you head over to my website, I have a free member content library that has a whole bunch of goodies. I have the poster with the five reminders of why creating is essential and not self-indulgent. That was hand-lettered and hand-painted by me. You can download and print it out. I have a Full Color Life starter kit, which has a set of worksheets to help you figure out how to create your own full color creative life. And it includes a coloring page that folds into a little book that you can travel with called my full color life portable joy guidebook. There's also a a free downloadable coloring page for those who like to color. And one of my original songs that goes over my 10 rules for the creative sandbox, my creative sandbox manifesto and an exclusive interview. So a whole bunch of goodies in there. And you can find that all over my website at livingacreativelife.com. Awesome. And as always, I'll link all of that up in the show notes so people can hop over there really easily. So thank you so much for being here with us today. It was really, really inspiring. And and I think a lot of us will be re-engaging with our creative practices after this. 
Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's just been a real treat. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes, which you can get back on my website, wellpreneuronline.com, or you can get by, if you're listening on your phone, by just tapping on the picture of the podcast, then it will take you directly to the show notes on your phone, which is super cool. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't keep it a secret. You know, so many people that are working in wellness still don't even listen to podcasts. And as you know, it's such a brilliant way to be learning on the go, right? So tell your wellness friends, not just about my podcast, although I'd appreciate that, but just about podcasting in general. And let's spread the love about this amazing medium in this way that you can fit training and inspiration and learning into your daily life. Okay, have a fantastic week and definitely come follow me on Instagram so you can get some behind the scenes shots of what's going on in Hong Kong. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you.